Let's lift our hands all across this house. God, we worship you and we praise you. Lord, we ask you, God, to come down into this service tonight, to come down into situations tonight. God, we just pray, oh Lord, as you did in the book of Acts chapter 1, you showed yourself alive. God is going to show himself alive to somebody tonight. He's going to show himself powerful to somebody tonight. He's going to show you that he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. God is going to reaffirm his love and his protection and his power in the house of God tonight. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to the book of Ruth, chapter number 2. Say what an honor it is. be asked to share the word of the Lord, give honor to this church, give honor to Brother Bradford, expecting God to do great things tonight. Book of Ruth, chapter number two, begin reading at verse number four. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over his reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. I'm going to preach simply on this subject. Misconceptions of starting over. Misconceptions of starting over. If you would, put your Bibles down. Let's lift our hands toward the Lord one more time, and let's ask Him to help us for the remainder of this service. God, we ask you, Lord, to speak through your word. We ask you, Lord, to go beyond the understanding and the speaking ability of a man and that you would speak through the Holy Ghost tonight. Lord, the Holy Ghost can preach better than any man can preach. The Holy Ghost can minister more than any man can minister. We ask you, Lord, that the Holy Ghost would be in operation tonight. Put your hands together and thank the Lord. You may be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. Misconceptions of starting over. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended... And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That is the first house. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The floods came, the winds blew, the rain descended upon that house, and it fell because of the inward foundation. Our modern culture finds ourselves in a constant state of presentation. Presentation is defined as bringing something before the public, bringing something into the presence of someone else, bringing something to someone else's attention. Every week, in one place or another, we will be giving others an exhibit of our lives. Whether it be in a church service, graduations, bridal showers, bachelor parties, baby showers, funerals, family dinners, and other events, we are consistently bringing ourselves into the presence of other people. And further extending and further accentuating the state of presentation in the physical settings of life, we find ourselves falling in to the trap of sending out constant updates on social media platforms. Our culture has become intoxicated with this mode of presentation, intoxicated with our image and intoxicated with the perception of others. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, in verse 24, Jesus describes to his listeners two houses that stood. Two houses that would, from the casual observer, appear to be in good standing. Yet one of the homes behind the scenes of the outward presentation contained major faults and issues that laid hidden at an inward foundation. Each house looked stable from the outside, yet the foundations of the homes could only be proven when the rains descended, when the floods came, and when the winds blew. We live our lives in a very dangerous place when we have perfected the outward perception, but we have ignored the inward foundation. When our lives are one storm away from our foundation being swept out from underneath us. And in the midst of this dilemma, we can find ourselves, ourselves fearful to do anything about it because of the perception of others. And because of our fears, what will it cost me to tear down a false perception and to start over? What will the onlookers think when they see me tearing up the foundation of my life? When the weakness is exposed, what will others think about that? Not only is it the opinion or the cost, but where do I even start on this road to reinforce the foundation of my life. Maybe things will get better if I just ignore the problem. Maybe things will improve if I just act like 
there's nothing wrong. It was when Moses stood before Pharaoh and the land was covered with frogs. He asked Pharaoh, Pharaoh, when do you want these frogs out of here? And he looked at the frogs and they were everywhere. It was an obvious problem and it needed to be taken care of. And Pharaoh said, let it be done tomorrow. Because maybe tomorrow things can get better on their own. Maybe if I brush this aside, things will clear up on their own. I want to preach to someone tonight as well as to myself. That no matter what it will cost us, no matter what the onlookers may say, no matter whether or not we fully understand where to start on the path of starting over, there is nothing wrong with starting over. Because there are spiritual and emotional storms that lie ahead for every single one of us. And the only way we will be able to withstand the storms that lie ahead is when we have done the deep work of establishing a proper foundation. Galatians 6 and 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I'm tired of looking at others and wishing I was them. I'm tired of looking at other preachers and wishing that I had their ministry. I'm tired of looking at other people's family and wishing that I could be them. I'm tired of reaching to be what someone else is. I'm going to build the foundation to be what God has called me to be. Come on, somebody. You don't have to wish upon a star. You don't have to look at everybody else. You can have it for you. Your foundation can be what it's supposed to be. Your life can be what God has called it to be. Okay, calm down or you're going to mess up my message and I'm not going to preach it. I'm going to preach something else and we're going to run out of time. Proverbs 16 and 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I have to be willing to open myself up to improvement and to be rebuilt by God. When Jesus laid his hands upon the eyes of a blind man, He looked at him and said, how are things looking now? And the man responded and said, well, I see men as trees. And it says that Jesus touched him the second time and his vision was made whole. But if he would have been so embarrassed and he would have been so worried And he would have been so ashamed of the process of healing that God intended for him to go through. He would have said, I'm fine. I don't need another touch. But let me tell you that God is not embarrassed and God is not ashamed to be called your God. And God is not ashamed of the process of healing. God is not ashamed of what it's going to take because God is a God that wants to save you 
completely. He doesn't want a perception of salvation, but he wants a realness, and he wants to save you. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. He's not just free in perception, but he's free indeed. You may be seated. We have to be open to being vulnerable and to accept the fact that it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to not be over it yet. And it's okay to still be going through some things. It's okay. I've preached a little bit on Sunday night. And tonight I feel like I'm opening that up a little bit and, and going through some points a little deeper. But it's okay to go through a season of not being okay. It's okay to be hurting. It's okay to have pain. It's okay to be struggling. It's okay sometimes to be a little bitter and a little bit confused and a little bit hurt. It is a process to come out from what you've been through. It's a process to get to where God wants you to be. And you shouldn't think that God has removed himself because it's not happening the way you thought it would have happened. In a free market society, businesses are open based upon the principle of supply and demand. Basically, they are in business as long as they are able to fulfill a certain need. If we need a Big Mac, a large fry, and a Dr. Pepper, there is a place that specializes in meeting that need. If we need rocks to decorate the edge of a flower bed, there are places that specialize to meet that need. Whatever we need, there is a place that is established to meet that need as long as it is a common need. Whether the need is a root canal or a root beer float, there is a place to meet the need. There is a place established to handle the issue. But my question tonight is what do we do when we've went everywhere that we know to go? We've given everything that we know to give. And there is still no one that can help us in our need. Where do we go when the doctor steps into the room and tells us, unfortunately, there's nothing left that can be done? Where do we go when there's no medicine and no treatment and no surgery that can take away the pain that we're living in right now? Where do we do when our life is crumbling and falling apart? What do we do when there's no counselor or psychologist or program that can step in and change the circumstances? What do we do when we've done everything that we've been told to do and things are not getting any better? Where do we go when we need a miracle? I want to tell somebody that Jesus has the answer to your need. You may have not found the answer anywhere else, but Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is still the miracle worker. Jesus is still the promise keeper. Jesus is still the door opener. Jesus is still the prison shaker. Jesus is still the water walker. He's still the storm ceaser. Jesus is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
Jesus is still the answer. Matthew 9 and 20, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. We've preached and heard and taught, reiterated this story thousands of times. But I wonder if we ever really consider the fact that this was completely internal. She was going through something that nobody else could see. We often struggle with internal pains and thoughts that no one else can see. But because we live in the constant state of presentation, we don't let anybody know what's really going on. We hope that it just gets better on its own. But just when this woman spent everything she had to spend, tried absolutely everything she knew to try, cried every last tear that she could cry, she made her way to an encounter with the power of God. And when she got to the edge of his robe, immediately the internal bleeding stopped. In her society, for a woman to be bleeding meant that she was unclean in a ceremonial sense and she could not enter into any place of worship. While she was bleeding, on top of that, the law was upheld that no one was even allowed to touch her. She had spiritual problems. She had medical problems. She had relationship problems that she could not find an answer to. But when she found her way to touch and to connect with the power of God in one moment, every medical condition, every spiritual condition, every relationship problem all came to an end. I don't know all that we are dealing with tonight, but I can tell you without hesitation that Jesus is still the answer. One song said it reaches to the highest mountain and it Flows to the lowest valley. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. There's a God that has your answer tonight. There was a man in the country of Turkey. He was a refugee in the country of Turkey, and he said that he was an atheist. He was an atheist, and his mom started attending the local Pentecostal church there in the country of Turkey. And he said, Mom, I'll go to church with you, but your preacher is going to have to answer some questions for me. And he got a piece of paper out, and the man wrote down 50 different questions. And he said that if he can answer every one of these questions, then I will entertain the thought that there is a God. And he stepped into the back row of a Pentecostal service, and it was a Holy Ghost service. And he began to feel something that he had never felt before. And his legs started shaking like they had never shaken before. And his hands went up, and he didn't even know why and tears came down his face and he didn't even know why and after the service was over he went to that pastor and he said pastor I just wanted to show you I came into the service tonight with a list of 50 questions that you were going to have to answer but when I felt God the way that I felt God tonight he answered every one of those questions I don't know what the question is but Jesus is the answer do you have cancer Answer. Jesus is the answer. Do you have depression? Jesus is the answer. Are you going through a divorce? Jesus is the answer. Are you losing everything out from under you? Jesus is still the answer. Come on, somebody. Praise him for the answer. 
Oh, let's worship the Lord for about 30 seconds. Come on, somebody. Jesus is still the answer, but are you willing to hand him the question? Jesus is still the provider, but are you willing to hand him the need? Jesus is still the healer, but are you willing to trust him in the middle of everything that says it's not going to happen? You may be seated. Jesus is the answer. Colossians 2 and 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of Christ and not after Christ. Rudiments of the world and not after Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God breathed into man and he became a living soul. People are chasing things that God should be filling in their life. People are chasing addictions for peace when God is the Prince of Peace. People are chasing alcohol to fill their bellies. But Jesus said in John 7, 37, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow a river of living water. There's people that got other stuff flowing up out of their bellies. But when you're full of the Holy Ghost, there's a river that flows with the peace and the joy of God. I want to tell somebody tonight that Jesus will complete you. That Jesus will fill in the gaps. Jesus will be there for you. We know that Jesus is the answer. And I could preach that all night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, I just preach Jesus is the answer. But my question is, do we step back and allow him to be the answer? So Jesus is the answer. But do you act like he's the answer? Do you make decisions like Jesus is the answer? Do you talk like Jesus is the answer? Do you pray like Jesus is the answer? Are we honest and prayerful enough to examine what our strengths and weaknesses are? Do we have enough maturity and self-awareness to understand what we are not capable of? Do we allow Jesus to really be the answer to our weakness? Or are we so worried about the mode of presentation? Tom Brady, who most of us know, has played professional football now for over 20 years and is widely considered to be the greatest of all time. Yet 13 years ago, his career took a dark turn when he took a helmet to his left knee. His leg buckled sideways from a straight-legged stance. He failed to get back up on his own, and MRIs revealed that he had torn both the ACL and the MCL. Very, very important ligaments within the knee. And in his book, The TB12 Method, Tom Brady began explaining the methods that typical trainers use when coaching their players to recover from injuries. But he said that it's such a major problem because the answer is always that you need to keep building muscle and you need to keep focusing on getting stronger rather than stepping back and analyze the mechanics, analyze the situation, 
analyze the weakness rather than working toward preventing the further injury, rather than learning how to deal with what caused the problem. All these athletes are told to do is to focus on getting stronger. And in all their efforts to make a comeback, they do in fact get bigger and faster and stronger. But many times they find themselves re-injuring their bodies at the same exact place again and again and again. To some, until at some point they are no longer able to play the game of football. I want to talk to you for a little bit about the injuries that happen to God's people. We are filled with God's spirit, yet our lives will also be filled with injuries and setbacks and things we didn't expect, but nonetheless we have to deal with. Job 14 and 1 said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. 1 Peter 4 and 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. As God's people, we will still go through trials and tribulations and tragedies. We are still going to struggle with storms and setbacks and stress. We are still going to fear. We're still going to face fear and failure and frustrations. We're Holy Ghost-filled revival people. We believe in the power of healing. We believe in the miraculous. We believe in the mighty hand of God. But we still are going to deal with disappointments and discouragement, divisions and death. We're going to fall down and have to get back up. And after this, life may leave us bruised, beat down, and broken. And in the midst of all this... We may want to keep ourselves in presentation mode. Keep ourselves in that realm where everything is okay. Keep ourselves looking like everything is fine. But within the outer perception lays a weakness at an inward foundation. We want to show ourselves to be the overcomer. We want to show ourselves as able to get back up and get back in the fights. We may want to prove to all the doubters that we still have what it takes. But is that really what is best for you in this season right now? We can't live out our days trying to please the crowd. But we are living this life to have a true peace with God and within ourselves. We may see this season as a time to plow through it and get stronger and to pass over all the weakness, and to pass over what caused the injuries. We may see this as a season to cover up our weakness with a perception of strength. But I want to tell somebody that the season after tragedy, first and foremost, is a season of healing. It is the season for a new beginning. But that is no reason to give others a false perception that everything is okay when it's really not. It's okay to cry. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to be fearful. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to have regrets. It's okay to have doubts. But what's not okay is to act like everything is fine when you need some things in your life. That only God can give you. Seasons of rebuilding 
are not focused on an outward perception, but rather the purpose of the restart is to first heal within the inward foundation so that it might flow out into the outward perception. This will take time, and this will not be easy, but there is nothing wrong with slowing down and resetting if that's what it takes to get to the place where we need to be in God. So why did I bring up the story of these athletes? Is because they're so worried about moving forward that they don't take inventory and they don't take the proper time to heal what has been broken. I'll tell you, your doubters do not matter. Your the opinion of others do not matter. You need to do what's best for you in your walk with God. I'm not worried what you think about me. I'm worried about what I think about me and what God thinks about me. If you live your life for everybody else, you'll never be happy. If you live your life for everybody else, you'll never be good enough. Come on, somebody. If you live your life for everybody else, it's always going to be too much or not enough. But if you find an identity in Jesus Christ. Know you not that so many of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have put on Christ. I'm not Bryce Cosme. I'm a man of God called by the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is not my own. I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, but I'm not worried about your opinion, and I'm not worried about your approval, but I'm worried about my peace and my healing and my season to rebuild some things. Let's worship the Lord for about 45 seconds. Oh, God, would you rebuild me? God, would you remake me? God, would you restore me? God, would you let me just cast off all the perceptions of everybody else and cast off trying to live my life for everybody else? God, let me worry about what you think. Let me worry about what you want me to do. Let me worry about what my family needs. Let me worry about what my soul needs. I don't care about perception. I care about peace. We get so worried about everybody else's perception that we'll miss out on the calling of God. I'm going to preach something. This is not in my notes. And I wanted to include this somewhere, and this is the moment right now. Is that John the Baptist, when he was born, his family confused a lot of people. Because they named him a name that had never been used before. They came to him and said, why don't you name him Zechariah? That's the name of his dad. Why don't you be like, like Zechariah? Why don't you follow the traditions? Why don't you do things the way we want you to do them? And Elizabeth said, not so, but his name shall be called John. God did not call John to be somebody else. God did not call John to reenact somebody else's ministry, to reenact somebody else's life, to compete and keep up with somebody else. But you know what he just wanted John to be? He just wanted him to be John. I'm telling you, John, you just be John, and God will anoint you. Because when John died, Jesus said there was never a greater prophet than John. Why? Because John just went ahead and was who God called him to be. I'm not going to imitate you. I'm not going to worry about you. I'm not going to compete with you. I'm unique. I'm weird. I'm different. But that's what God wanted me to be. My worship's different than yours. My calling's different than yours. Come on. But that's okay because you're different as well, and I'm different. But when we are. 
all get together. There's a revival on the day of Pentecost. They were all with one accord in one place. We have a bunch of broken pieces in here. We have a bunch of, of pieces that have been through a lot of things. But when we all get together, oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When Jesus was baptized, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That was before Jesus did any miracles, before he went out preaching the gospel. His identity as the man Jesus Christ was pleasing through the obedience to the, to the Lord, to the spirit of God. And you know what the devil did when he took him up to an exceeding high place? He questioned his identity. If thou be the son of God, if thou be the son of God. And Jesus never even directly responded to that because he knew who he was. He said, oh, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. The angels will take, take you and hold you up. And this stone can be made bread. Prove that you are who you say you are. But I'll tell you, he knew the voice that was spoken over him in the water. And even when he was in the middle of the wilderness, there was no devil that could get him away from who he was in God. I may not be good enough for you, but I don't care. I just want to be who God's called me to be. And I'll stand on the word of God and say, I don't need your opinion. I just need to fulfill the call and the identity that God has has given me so before we start moving forward are there some things within us that we need to recognize and give time to heal Psalms 139 23 search me O God and know me try me and know my thoughts see if there be any wicked way with me and lead me in that way everlasting Psalm 51, 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Psalm 51, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As the music team prepares for the conclusion tonight, I don't want to be so preoccupied with an outward presentation that I ignore issues and faults at an inward foundation. I don't want to worry so much about the expectation of others that I don't take the proper time that I need to get over things and the proper time that I need to do some things. Let me say this. There's new converts that aren't going to look just how you want them to look right away. You give them proper time to get through that. I don't want to overstep and offend somebody over something when I'm sure the pastor's working with them and other people are giving them Bible studies. They may not look how I want them to look, but you know what? They're not doing it for you anyways. They're doing it for God. The change is not for the church. The change is for the Lord and to have a connection with him. You don't have to be what I want you to be. Just be what God has called you to be. Do what God has called you to do. Because if you're worried about my opinion, there's always going to be a lid on what you do. If you're always trying to be me, I'm sorry. I want you to be better than me. I don't want you to imitate me. I want you to do greater things. I don't want you to be just like I am. Let me tell you this. When you're working with new converts, they don't have to be a duplicate of who you are. Allow people to be who they are. Allow people to be creative. Allow people to dress how they like to dress. Allow people to sing the way that they like to sing. Allow people to worship the way they want them to worship. We're not a bunch of robots. We're the redeemed of the Lord, and we all have got a different story. I'm sorry, but you may not understand my worship, but you didn't go through what I went through. You may not understand my preaching, but you don't know the suffering. You don't know the pain. You don't know the loss. So don't judge me because you don't know what I've been through. 
There's misconceptions of starting over that you've got to be just like everybody else. Just be who God wants you to be. Let's all stand across this house. Let's pray one more time for about 30 seconds. Lord, I pray that you would remove every misconception of starting over. There's some people in this house tonight that are in a season of rebuilding. You're in a season of starting over. You're in a season of new beginnings. And I just want to make sure that you know that you can take your time if you're not healed yet. You can take your time if everything's not okay. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to do anything for anybody. You need to do it for God. You come to church for somebody else, you're coming for the wrong reason. You're coming here to check in with somebody else. You're doing it for the wrong reason. I want to be here whether you're here or not. I want to be for pre-service prayer whether you're here or not. Because the house of God is not about your approval. But the house of God is reconnecting myself with the Lord. Come on, if you're in a season of starting over, you need to get over the misconceptions of starting over. Going back to the book of Ruth, chapter number 2. Ruth has lost it all. Ruth has lost her husband. The whole family has been, been really just wiped out between two brothers that died and a father-in-law that dies. And Naomi is, is taking her road back to her homeland. And we know the story that Ruth goes with her and Orpah turns away. And in chapter 2, we find what I would call the process of starting over. Starting over in places that you never thought you would have to go. Starting over may mean doing things that you never thought you were going to have to do. It's not easy to start from the bottom. It's not easy to have everything torn out from under you. But I'm telling you, that's what it may take to start over tonight. Going places you never thought you would have went. Being involved in things you never thought you'd be involved with. Getting involved in church in ways that you never thought you may be involved. You thought you couldn't do anything. But when you begin to step in, you realize there's some needs around the house of God that only you can fill. Doing things she never thought she would have to do was part of starting over. In Leviticus 19, I won't read it, but in Leviticus 19, it was the law of the harvest. That as they went through the fields, they would leave things to the side. So that the traveler and the poor would have something as they walked down the road. Basically, it was their welfare program of that day. And Ruth, as she lived in the middle of the rebuilding process, had no way to provide for herself other than the charity of others. Other than allowing someone else to provide for her. That's all she could do at that time. But you know what I like about Ruth? Is that Ruth didn't just sit back and pray for something to happen. Ruth didn't just say, well... If I sit here and I pray, then there's somebody that's just going to help me. If I sit here and I, and I just let everybody know what I'm going through, uh, there's somebody that's going to help me. If, if, I just, if I just let my need be known and then I just wait, that, that there's something that's going to happen because, oh, these, these are the people in Judah. These are God's people. God's people should just do everything for me. If they really love God, they should really help me. If they love God, I shouldn't have to do anything for this. But let me tell you, as Ruth 
did not sit and wait for someone else to come to her rescue, but she got out and she made the effort to do what needed to be done. And as she started working in the fields, there were others that started to recognize that she was serious about making a change. It may take some effort on our part. It may take some initiation on our part. But when we begin to step forward and do some things, there's people that will recognize that we are serious about living for God. Don't just sit back and expect and pray, but get out there and do something. If our cars ever break down on the highway and we just sit there and try to flag everybody down, I don't know how many people are going to stop and help us. But when there's someone that pulls up to us and we're out of the car and we're pushing the car and we're putting forth an effort, there's people that are going to pull over and push with us. You're coming out of Moab, Ruth. You need to get in the field. You need to get serious. You need to get invested in your salvation. Don't just wait on everybody else. One misconception of starting over is that if I just show up, everybody else is going to take care of me. You've got to put forth the effort on your own, and people will recognize that you're serious. Not only that, but while she's working, Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Who were the maidens? The maidens were those who worked in the field, that had experience in that field, that knew how to gather up the harvest. When she connected, after she began to initiate and she connected with the owner of the field, he connected her to some other members of the field. He connected her to some people that would show her how to reap some things in her life and show her how to work through some things in her life. There's something about starting over that we think we're going to do it all on our own. But when you begin to step forward into the field, not only do you begin to start a relationship with the owner of the field, but he connects you with the members of the field. When you start to come to God, he's going to provide for you sometimes through the people that he sends into your life. misconceptions of starting over is that I'll be doing it all by myself not only that but Boaz also told her he said have I not commanded the young men that they shall not touch thee not only was it important that Ruth learned how to connect with the maidens but there were some things that she had to be disconnected from he said I've set some hedges around you I've set some protection around you as you're coming forth out of starting over there's some things in the past that you're just going to have to leave behind it's not that you're being ugly it's not that you're being self-righteous you're not a holy roller bible thumper you're just trying to live for God and if they want to live for God they know the field that you're going to be in I'm going to disconnect for some things because I'm connecting to some things and I'm going to end with this. Everything that she did was tied to her connection to the wisdom and the understanding of Naomi, her mother-in-law. The wisdom and understanding of an elder generation was a testimony to the younger generation that was navigating through the darkest season of their life. Jeremiah 3 and 15, and I will give you pastors according to my own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. We have to be willing to open ourselves up to the advice and the counsel and the wisdom of someone else. 
When Elijah told Naaman to go to the Jordan, it wasn't the method that he was expecting or the river he would ever want to go into. When Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep, we see a fisherman taking advice from a man who was the son of a carpenter and a traveling minister. When David was told by Nathan that he was the man, David could have used his authority to kill and to banish the prophet. But instead, he accepted and acted upon what someone else had to say. Proverbs 11:14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. For those that are in a restarting season, don't ever think that you have to go through it alone. I felt the Lord speak to me today and tell me that part of this revival is about a Naomi that needs to realize that although she thinks she has nothing left to give, that her losses can become a source of strength if they can make their experience and their wisdom available to a Ruth that's trying to navigate through the darkest season of her life. There's some people here that have been through some hard times. There's some people here that have lost everything. I want you to know that it's okay to be in the healing season. But it's going to take some effort. And it's going to take a connection to some things. And it's going to take a disconnection from some other things. But I'll tell you, there's some Naomi's in the house tonight. There's some people that have been through some storms. There's people that have been through some fights and been through some losses. That if you'll open yourself up to God, He will put some people in your path that will connect with you, that will help you, that will work with you through the storm. I wonder right now if there's somebody that's in a season of starting over. Tonight, this altar call is for anyone in a season of starting over. Are you trying to get back on track? Are you trying to figure out how you get through the loss? How you get through the season of suffering? How you get through the pain? How you get through all of this that you don't understand? Number one is you've got to connect to the owner of the field. You've got to step into the field and say, God, wherever you're, you, you have a place for me to work, I'm willing to work. Wherever there's a place in this kingdom, I'm willing to connect. Come on, I want to tell somebody, starting over is not just expecting everybody else to give you something, but starting over is getting some things for yourself. And I wonder tonight, as we make our way to the front, as we step out from the place we are tonight, if you'll begin, number one, to open yourself up to the change that God wants to bring at an inward foundation. And number two, that you will accept that it may be different than what you expected. Everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different struggle. Everybody has different pains. And it's okay that it takes a little bit longer for you to get through it. And it's okay that you're still nervous about it. And it's okay that you still have some doubts. It's okay that you're not okay. Tonight, you need to open yourself up to the Lord and say, God, I'm not worried about perception. I just want your peace. Come on, let's pray right now in the Holy Ghost. 
for a spirit of peace to come upon everyone in this house that's in a season of restoration, a season of a restart, a season of a reset, a season of trying to find your way out of the loss and find your way out of the pain, finding your way out of the broken situation. There's a God that's going to connect you with some things that are going to get you through. I say yeah.